reading of the Scriptures from Genesis 29, beginning in verse 31 through chapter 30 uh, to verse 24. Uh, May God give grace in the reading and the hearing of His holy word here in uh, the book of Genesis. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and she said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she again conceived and bore a son, and said, Now this time. My husband will be attracted to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my servant, Bilhah. Go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant, Bilhah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Nephtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune has come, and she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy, so she called his name Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went forth and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. And then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, It is a small matter that you have taken away my husband. Would you also take away from my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then may he lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, 
And God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me again in a time of prayer. Uh, Father, we again come to you uh, with uh, thankful hearts, uh, uh, thankful to our great God in heaven, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, uh, and for uh, giving us everything uh, needful for life and for godliness. And we thank you for all of the blessings showered upon us and every good gift that comes from heaven. Uh, we have returned a measure of that uh, in faith that you will bless our offerings and ask you do that for the kingdom of heaven. And we pray this morning, remember the sick among us um, and the infirm and the aged. <clears throat> Be with them. Uh, bless them uh, in bodily health and mental health. Uh, bless the caregivers and the physicians all to uh, their health and welfare. Bless our children and our grandchildren with the uh, great gift of saving faith and the Spirit. Uh, we ask also for thy divine protection in this uh, wicked and fallen uh, world. Um, protect us from things that affect the body, but <clears throat> more so that uh, threaten the soul. But we are thankful that we are kept by the power of God, and so we trust in you uh, with our very lives and everything that affects us and our families and our welfare. Father, we have come to meet with you in the Word uh, looking also forward to meeting uh, with the Lord's table. But now we ask for the blessings of the word to go forth in great power and that you would, <clears throat> through your spirit, open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your law and your word and to the spirit to make application to our hearts that both in uh, thought and deed we might uh, grow in grace. And we ask these things in the name of the eternal word, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. <clears throat> so we know that uh, Jacob is uh, the son of promise uh, because of uh, God's uh, grace to him. Uh, to use an educational metaphor, uh, he is in the University of Sonship, uh, but he is now in the College of Discipline. Uh, and God's disciplining him because he uh, lied and uh, cheated uh, uh, to his uh, father as well as uh, to his uh, older brother um, as over and gets trusting the providence of God. So he's going to experience a time of pretty severe uh, testing uh, in discipline. Uh, and uh, now the curriculum is, is going to get much more difficult. Uh, if you recall, he's gone through uh, seven years uh, because uh, Laban had cheated him, uh, reminding Jacob not to cheat uh, because it's an unauthorized uh, means of advancing God's kingdom. But nonetheless, he's been cheated, and uh, so he's uh, worked seven years, and now he's going to have to work another seven years uh, for uh, the woman that he loves, uh, Rachel. And so it's a difficult time in his life. Uh, and over and over again, uh, we're going to watch God very slowly 
generally the way God works, uh, transform Jacob. Doesn't have to work that way, but certainly in Jacob's life, he's going to, going to begin to transform him from a liar and a cheater and a thief uh, to a man who trusts God and who waits upon the providence of God. And he can trust God because God is the creator. So it is a bitter pill that uh, God disciplines his sons, uh, but it's also purposeful to purify their faith and uh, to give them endurance. Uh, more importantly, uh, the greater uh, reality of the bitter pill of discipline is that graduation is going to be very sweet for Jacob uh, as it is uh, for all of the sons of God. Uh, so out of this time of discipline, uh, God's going to create a nation from whom another son of promise will emerge, uh, specifically uh, Joseph. And notice the pattern. Uh, the blessing is always going to the youngest and not the eldest. In conventional culture, the blessing went to the eldest son. Uh, certainly when there were only two, primogenitor, it always went to the eldest son. But God doesn't do things by the way that we expect him to do them. Uh, he's uh, choosing uh, the youngest. So it's always going to fall uh, here as it does on Joseph. Uh, so returning to my educational metaphor, uh, Jacob has a lot of instructors in his life. Uh, Laban, Laban was tough. Things are going to get tougher. Uh, it was some seven years ago that he deceived his father. And his father, I think, personally, not in the text, but uh, left him without a dowry to buy his wife. So Laban deceives him uh, for working uh, another seven years. Uh, so 14 years, if you will, uh, in this time of discipline. And uh, compounding the matter is that each of his wife uh, has a substitute teacher in Bilna and Zilpah. Uh, and now there's strife between the sisters. Uh, why is there strife? Because Jacob brought strife into his home uh, when he cheated his brother uh, out of the blessing. So again, we can see, uh, if you will, the rod of uh, discipline in this college of discipline. Uh, and it's the overwhelming reminder that uh, God is... Uh, God is able to fulfill the oracle without Jacob's help and certainly uh, without deception. Uh, by the way, it's a great reminder here for all of us, and that is the application of virtue. Um, Galatians 5.22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, one of the abiding characters of the sons of God because of the work of the Spirit, not inherent to our nature, the work of the Spirit, is that he works virtue. Uh, it is, um, I think, um, vacant in our culture at large, but certainly should not be vacant uh, in uh, the life of the church. Uh, another reminder uh, in regards to discipline and uh Graduation, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5. Therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith 
in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Church, once again, going through difficult times. Verse 5, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you may be considered worthy, worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. Uh, discipline uh, makes us worthy. Our worthiness doesn't cause God to bless us. It's a product of his blessing. Uh, there's nothing within us or about us that is causative or efficient for God to bless us. He simply blesses us because of his sovereign grace and mercy. There's no inherent cause within us. And certainly there was no inherent uh, cause within Jacob. Uh, so this period of uh, darkness is for seven years. That's a long course. Uh, remember in the university, you had a semester, I don't know, two and a half months, whatever it was. This is another seven-year semester. And uh, what's worse about this period is Jacob is going to live in a home full of strife and manipulation. So each of the sisters... Uh, at one another's throats, trying to out-manipulate the other to get uh, the love of their husband. Um, his four wives will attempt to rule over him. Uh, by the way, um, that is a, an element of the curse in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God tells uh, Eve, your desire will be to his husband, to your husband, but he will rule over you. Uh, so it's really a, a, really a sharp, time in uh, Jacob's life. Um, the good news is that as difficult as all the coursework is in this college of discipline, uh, Jacob will eventually graduate. And uh, our reminder that graduation uh, is, is sweet. Uh, but it's going uh, to cost him. Um, it's a teaching moment for all of us. So let's look at Jacob's four professors um, who are going to try to teach him and make his life uh, miserable. Uh, uh, the first professor is the unloved wife. Uh, it's going to teach uh, the son of promise. Text begins. Uh, notice, uh, uh, notice the text, uh, chapter 29, verse 30, or pardon me, 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, uh, if you will, hated or rejected. Uh, so uh, part of the lesson here is that God is going to teach Jacob about uh, his love. Uh, remember uh, the promise of his birth, theologically expounded upon in Romans chapter 9, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated or rejected. Uh, that God is in total control over the birthing process of his sons. And so here, uh, Professor Leah is going to teach uh, her husband about uh, love and rejection. God saw that Leah was unloved. Uh, it's a figure of speech, of course. Uh, God doesn't learn anything. He knows everything uh, in one moment of time in eternity past. Uh, but the point of the fact that God sees uh, is a prelude to divine action. Because he sees he's going to act. And he opens her womb. 
and he blesses her because she was rejected. Uh, it is a reminder of uh, a virtue that all of us should hold dear to our hearts, and that is that God takes the side of the rejected. Uh, and so he takes Leah's side. He sides with her because she's being mistreated. She's a wife, uh, even though she's the wife of a scandal on behalf of her father, nonetheless, she's a wife to be cared for properly, respected properly. Uh, nonetheless, she's the now professor and Jacob is the student. And God's answer for her rejection uh, is to give her sons. It has six. Very interesting, the, the names of the sons, I'm sure in the in your English Bible, uh, you have a reference to the uh, sons in your margins. Uh, most of the names are theocentric, stressing the sovereignty of God, blessing uh, the wife. Uh, typically in the ancient Near East, uh, names were uh, markers of one's character, uh, and that plays a role here uh, that we should give attention to. Um, the name of the first is Reuben. Uh, literally to see a son. Uh, she was barren. God acts. She has a son. She sees a son. Names him Reuben. If you will, she also knows that God saw her affliction. Again, I would remind you, and uh, if you're a Christian, you know Christ is your Savior, and all of the affairs of life uh, treat people properly according to Christian virtue. Uh, it's not to say that uh, if you're a businessman, you have to fire someone or uh, whatever the case might be. Um, but nonetheless, treat them uh, properly and with respect and dignity. Always do what's right. Uh, and she knows here that God has seen her affliction, so she names him Reuben. Good application for us. God knows our circumstances. He knows sometimes we go through difficult times. Uh, he knows that sometimes we are suffering because of our faith, because of the curse uh, of the Garden of Eden. But whatever the cause or whatever the venue of life, God sees and he knows uh, what we're going through. So we're to walk by faith. Her confession in verse uh, 32 is, a, to me, a very sad one. Surely now my husband will love me. One of the lessons that God is teaching Jacob. Second son is Simeon from the Hebrew verb to hear. God hears our prayers. Uh, again, typically, um, we pray over long periods of time, of, of time uh, maybe decades. Uh, in uh, Jacob's life, uh, he's going to go through two decades in the College of Discipline. It's a long time. Uh, so he prays. Here, he hears the prayers of Leah. The third is named Levi, from the Hebrew verb to join. And the God is attached to us out of his love. Uh, Levi, as you know, is uh, uh, the father of the tribe that was to teach the sons of Israel. So this is a very critical name. This son is very prominent 
the life of the history of the nation. They're all prominent, but this one I think in a very particular way. Uh, uh, turn with me, if you would, um, to a verse that speaks about Levi, last book of the Old Testament, so fairly easy to find. I'm going to read from Malachi chapter 2 and verses 5 to 8. Um, it's a reference to Levi. God says, my covenant was with Levi, verse 4. My covenant was with him and was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him as an object of reference. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Uh, Levi, by the way, should be a middle name for all of us. Not literally, but figuratively. We should be always in awe of the name of God. True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from my way and have caused many to stumble. So the nation of Israel turned away from Levi, the covenant with Levi, and the teachers in Israel were causing many to stumble. Spiritual reference uh, to a time of uh, deep trouble. Uh, but notice the character. Uh, by the way, those words are found in our fellowship hall under the facsimile of Jonathan Edwards. Reminder of the criticality of uh, the teaching ministry of the scriptures in the life of the church. And certainly Jonathan Edwards was such a man. Uh, certainly one of the fathers in a uh, uh, material sense of the first great awakening in America. The fourth is Judah from the Hebrew verb to praise. So she praises God. And from Judah comes the royal line of David. And from the royal line of David comes our Lord who was born of a virgin. Uh, look at the similarity. Only God can open sovereignly and uniquely the womb of a virgin absent a husband or a man. And so our, our son, uh, the greater Lord Jesus, is obviously a miracle himself. But all of it is a reference to the majesty and the sovereignty of God who alone is the actor on the stage. God opening when he wills to open and closing when he wills to close. Uh, now, I, I, I happen to know it's the cause of... Uh, uh, much anguish on uh, behalf of, of husbands and wives who are struggling to have children, uh, uh, certainly um, for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, God blesses us with uh, medical science and physicians and whatever the case might be. But in the ultimate final analysis, it rests upon uh, God to act. And uh, sometimes that's a bitter pill. Uh, but there's always the sweetness of graduation and there's always the comfort 
and the awesomeness of the majesty of uh, God's sovereignty. Uh, the Lord Jesus, Matthew 2, 6, um, is uh, the gift of God. Uh, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, and by no means least among the tribes of Judah. Isn't it interesting? God always chooses the least. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Uh, ultimately, all of this is pointing uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a way of hope. So regardless of your station in life, a young mother desirous of having a child, uh, take courage, wait upon the Lord uh, because of his majesty. And then we read, isn't it interesting in verse 35, of Leah, she stopped bearing. What's with that? God opens and closes as he wills. Verses 30, uh, verses 1 to 13, the concubines uh, teach the son of promise. Uh, so now Jacob has two substitute teachers. Uh, Bill Nunzilpa. Uh, they're going to cause their own problems, do they not? Uh, as you know, uh, concubines were wives of secondary importance in the ancient Near East. Uh, eventually outlawed in scripture. Uh, uh, but the patriarchs were part of their culture and um, just simply the way they ordered things. And God, more often than not, is at work in culture. Uh, sometimes we look it back and we say, how in the world could that happen? But again, we are all products of our culture. Uh, one of my favorite illustrations of this is uh, physicians in the 18th century. You got sick, you went to your doctor. He was a pretty smart guy. I he got the best education of the day. And if you were sick, he'd go to his uh, cupboard and get a leech. Put a bunch of leeches on you. Now, is that is that weird? That is so weird to me. Kind of gives you the willies. A um, bunch of leeches uh, sucking your blood. But that they just simply, that was the medical science of the day. We can laugh at them. We can uh, scour at them. But again, we are children of our culture. The important lesson for you is don't dance with culture. Dance with the Lord. Uh, it's an old saw, he who marries the spirit of the age will be divorced in the age to come. And that's an important saw uh, to deal with. Our culture, the culture at large outside of the church, uh, is a culture of lying, cheating, deception, uh, and yet, we're to be different because God transforms his sons of promise. Uh, out of jealousy, um, of her sister, which is a negative virtue, okay? we shouldn't be jealous, uh, don't envy, uh, God knows who you are. He knows what you need. You don't have to envy people. But uh, Rachel's jealous. She commands Jacob, give me a son or I die. Uh, Proverbs 27.4, wrath is fierce, anger is a flood, 
but who can stand before jealousy? Look at the teaching moment for Jacob. He can't give her what she wants. Why is that, by the way? God is the sovereign. Certainly by application for all of us who have children, love them all. They're the gift of God. And love them, by the way, by acting like a Levite and teach them the way of the Lord. Uh, Genesis uh, 25-21, turn back to that text. Uh, it's what, what Jacob should have done. He should have said, uh, Rachel, look, let's, let's pray. Notice Genesis 25-21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. You lack things in your life, uh, some of which you cannot fix, Learn to pray. And by the way, never quit praying. Uh, because each and every day we need God's grace to keep, to preserve us. Uh, Jacob's answer uh, is an answer that reflects great frustration. Another teaching moment. Uh, chapter 30, verse 2. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Jacob is right, but he's also wrong. Don't deal with anger uh, uh, with people. Uh, Jacob's theology is correct. Am I in the place of God? So he gets an A plus in theology, uh, but he flunks virtue. And they, they are both married together in our lives. Have the right theology and recognize that the right theology uh, bears the sons of virtue because that's an evidence of the work of God. Uh, I used to have a, a saw at work when I, uh, uh, when I uh, was put in a position to hire people. Um, I used to always tell them, look, uh, there's a lot of difficult challenges in this job and in this place. And uh, sometime, uh, without question, you're going to get frustrated. Sometimes you might uh, even get angry. And uh, certainly customers will always put a spin on you that you would say to yourself, why in the world am I here? Remember always, cool heads prevail. And that's what Jacob should have recognized. I'm sorry, wife, cool heads prevail. Let's pray. Nah, he flunks, we get it. Sometimes uh, we flunk too. So Rachel gives her maid Bilna, again cultural, uh, leeches if you will, gives her maid Bilna to Jacob. We've seen this before, have we not? Parallel to Genesis 16, Sarah gave her maid Hagar to her husband. Uh, she was thinking what? Well, God needs my help. I'm barren, so I've got to help God. Look, God doesn't need our help. Uh, if he needed our help, he wouldn't be God. Uh, it's difficult to wait. I understand that. Uh, it's an enduring trial in life all its own. But nonetheless, wait upon the Lord. So Bilna has a son. He's named Dan from the verb to judge. In other words, God has vindicated me. 
The maid has another son named Naphtali from the verb to struggle and to prevail. So in all of this, uh, looking to the Lord. Uh, when God closed Leah's womb out of jealousy, she gives her maid Zilpah to Jacob. Uh, wow. Professor number three. Uh, she has a son named Gad. Uh, comes from the verb to set straight or make happy. Or pardon me. Um, comes from the verb for the noun fortune. In other words, my fortune has come. I've always been very fond of this name. Uh, I've always been saddened that I've never met someone <laughs> had a child named Gad. I, I used to have a, a dear friend in uh, Dallas, still a friend, but certainly an acquaintance because of distance. Uh, uh, his, uh, his word for disgust was Gad. Uh, but again, if you have a son, consider Gad. I suspect you won't, but nonetheless, uh, from, from the noun for, uh, for fortune, but it's a great reminder. God blesses us and gives us uh, fortunes. Another son comes, and his name is Asher, from the verb to set straight, therefore happy. So all along, um, three professors have been bearing sons. Now the favorite wife is going to teach the son of promise. Verses 14 to 24. Uh, Rachel now uh, is uh, somewhat despised and rejected. Uh, so um, uh, one of her nephews uh, discovers some mandrakes found by Reuben. Uh, they were believed in that culture to be aphrodisiacs. Um, again, something silly, but so are leeches. Um, so Rachel trusts superstition as over against faith in the Creator. By the way, that's another teaching moment. Uh, don't, 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 don't trust superstition. Trust God. Uh, but we all get bent. Uh, certainly, uh, Rachel is just that. Leah agrees. She buys her husband for a cheap price just as he bought her for seven years of labor. Uh, she has a son, names him Issachar, from the verb to hire. In other words, my hire. Notice the name, the naming after circumstances. Another son named Zebulun from the verb to honor, and then a daughter named Dina. And now, as I suggested, something very unique occurs, but catch the flow of all the circumstances Rachel is the obvious underdog in all of this. Sons have been pour and daughter have been pouring out, except for Rachel. What does God do to underdogs? Be very careful about abusing an underdog in life. Teasing them, if you will. Remember that God, more often than not, takes the side of the underdog. And so she is now the underdog. And that sets in motion that God in His grace is going to now turn to her. Let's read verses 22 and 23 from chapter 30. Then God remembered Rachel. Against a figure of speech. God does not forget anything. If He forgets, He's not God. But it's a reminder that God again is about to act. Remember, God remembered Noah. He acts. Now He remembers Rachel. He's going to act. 
And God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she names him Joseph. From the verb to add. In other words, a prayer to add another one. And God will, but at a very high price. Thus, out of the chaos of jealousy and infighting, God is doing what? Creating a nation. Opening and closing as he wills to create a nation from which will come Israel, uh, from whom will come our Savior, the true Israel. Reminder of the name for God, most prominent here in all of this is Elohim, associated with God's creative act. Uh, attention will eventually shift to Joseph, uh, but his other sons will intensify the suffering for Jacob uh, by taking Joseph away from him. So a lot of bitter pills in life, and Jacob's going to take a lot of them. Thank God graduation is sweet. It's also, I think, in all of this, it's our reminder to um, give due attention to the Scriptures. John 6.63, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. That's why we give our hearts to the Scripture. They create life within us and transform us. Uh, another reminder in terms of virtue, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Uh, guard your heart, particularly in our culture. Guard your heart. Uh, and the scriptures are an aid to that. Uh, the importance of all of this, God creates many more sons, but not from natural generation, from spiritual generation. As he sovereignly opened and closed the wombs of the four wives, so he too he opens and closes the door of life as he wills. Great text on this, John 1.13. Uh, John says of the new birth, who were born not of the flesh, in other words, not natural generation. No one in this life is born a son by natural generation, who are born not of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. God births the sons of the new birth. Genesis teaches us many things, but one for sure, it's the absolute sovereignty and supremacy of God over spiritual generation. As God opens and closes and this supremacy, by the way, includes his only son. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. Uh, I've always been uh, terrified, uh, as you're turning to Revelation chapter 3, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, where it says of Christ, the eternal glorified son, the, uh, that he has the keys of hell and death. He opens and closes them as he wills. He even opens and closes the venue to hell as he wills. Uh, 
He has the keys. Uh, it's one of the most incredible uh, nomenclatures of all of Scripture. The sovereignty of our Savior over death and hell. The portal to hell. In ancient language, all ye who enter here abandon hope. Because once you enter, the door closes forever. It's a reason we hold fast uh, to the greatness of our Redeemer. Uh, the greater reality, Revelation uh, chapter 3 and verse 7, pardon me. Um, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open, says this. It means that Christ is sovereign and in total control over he who does and who does not enter his kingdom. Uh, that's an incredible venue of his sovereignty. He opens and he closes. By the way, it's the gospel itself. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, uh, I don't have the power to save you. No one in this church has the power to save you. He alone does. You must flee to Him and sue for peace. Uh, he also uh, takes uh, His only begotten Son, speaking of God the Father, to the great school of discipline all its own. Uh, in a moment, we're going to uh, partake of the sacrament, Lord willing. Uh, it's based upon the fact entirely and solely that God disciplined His only begotten Son, though He was entirely innocent and we were entirely guilty. He transferred the merit of our guilt to His Son who paid the bill because of the majesty of who He is as the God-man. Uh, Great text in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 2 that God disciplines uh, sons. Pardon me, chapter 12. Uh, but notice the graduation. By this we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now verse 12. But he having offered one sacrifice. Pardon me, I'm in verse chapter 10. Uh, one sacrifice through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all, having offered sacrifice once for our sins for all time, set down at the right hand of God the Father. Uh, now chapter 12 and verse 10, speaking of the sons of the new birth, for they are disciplined for a short period of time as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness the sweetness of graduation, the grace of God. Uh, one of my favorite texts in all of the Scriptures, Psalm 73, 24. Uh, the psalmist is going through a time of suffering. Uh, God teaches him. And then he says of God, you will guide me with your counsel and afterwards receive me the glory. The sweetest graduation of all. Uh, the good news is uh, God is our teacher. And for all of us who are His sons, our graduation is unto eternal glory and world without end. Sweetest 
graduation of all. But we do come to remember our Savior. Uh, he institutes the sacrament of uh, his table uh, as a reminder of his death and resurrection, uh, that he gave his body to be punished for us, uh, not because he was deserving, he was entirely innocent, uh, but he took upon himself our guilt and was punished by God the Father. Uh, because God the Father cannot wink at sin, he must judge it, and so he sends his Son to take the judgment that we deserved and place it upon him. You recall in the Apostles' Creed, uh, one of the things that we recited was he descended into hell. Not literally, but he experienced hell in his crucifixion so that we might experience the joys of life in him, an abundant life. Thank God he descended to such a terrible place uh, that we might uh, never, ever have to experience the ravages of that. Uh, as I break the bread, I um, ask you to hold it past. Uh, perhaps there's something that you need to settle uh, before the Lord, uh, before you partake. Uh, I would remind you that the sacrament of the Lord's table is only for Christians. If you're not a Christian uh, or you are a professing Christian uh, living in some known sin for which you refuse to repent, you really should not partake. Uh, because that makes you the uh, object of God's discipline. Uh, but nonetheless, it's for sons. It's for sons who are repentant. It's for sons who draw close to Christ, who is our only hope. But to remember that his body was broken for us uh, so that we might be made whole. And we are made whole in the gospel. So let's uh, prepare our heart for partaking of uh, the bread. Our Heavenly Father, we give Thee thanksgiving and joy uh, and worship Thee because the Eternal Son uh, took the guilt and suffering that we deserved upon Himself. Uh, the ravages of the wrath of God fell upon Him so much so that we can speak of them as being hell itself. Uh, but He endured, He persevered, He was crucified, uh, died and was buried and rose again as conqueror and victor uh, and him to whom we owe our salvation. Uh, we give thee thanks uh, in this token of the bread. Uh, remind us of his suffering, uh, but also use it to strengthen our faith uh, because he is our only hope. And may we carry this throughout the entirety of our days and lives, that Christ in his grace, in his grace alone, and by Christ alone and in faith alone, we are forever the sons of God. And therefore, give us strength as we partake together uh, in our oneness of the true church of God, because of Christ our Redeemer. Amen. As I... Uh, Past the uh, service, I remind you, uh, in the in the, in the middle of the service is uh, wine, periphery grape juice, that each can partake in the freedom of their own tradition. But more importantly, uh, something of the meaning that Christ drank the cup of judgment, that we might drink the cup of the new covenant in his blood, 
And uh, we should, of course, uh, give thanks uh, uh, for his willingness to do that for us. So let's prepare our hearts to uh, partake of the cup. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we give thee thanksgiving and joy uh, for the eternal Son who drank the cup of judgment. Because he drank the cup of judgment for us, uh, we will never have to drink it. Uh, Bless us, Lord, uh, with this truth and this reality. May it transform us, and certainly may it enhance uh, our faithfulness and our own transformation as a child of the faith. And may it uh, be a reminder to us uh, of uh, the token of the sacrament that we were and are spiritually thirsty, and our Savior gives us drink. May it refresh us and strengthen us and cause us to go forth to live for His glory. As we partake, uh, we confess that we belong to Thee, body and soul, because of Christ, our Redeemer, whose name we pray. Amen.